This is Chris Brooks. Thank you for listening to this edition of Equip. Be sure and subscribe for free so that you don't miss an episode. For more information, visit our website, equipradio.org. Well, hey there, friends. I want to welcome you to another exciting edition of Equip with Chris Brooks. I am so thrilled that you've tuned in today. Do me a favor. Strap on your seatbelt. We're going to navigate through the contours of culture, as always, with the lens of the biblical worldview on. But before we do that, let me remind you, this is the day that the Lord has made. He has given it as a gift so that you and I can rejoice and be glad in it. So let's do just that. Let's follow the word to the Apostle Paul. Let's rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. And with that, I welcome you into what will be a very encouraging and educational edition of Equip. Today, I want to give you a gift. The gift that I want to give you is the gift of laughter. You know, our world is so full of pain and problems. And if you're not careful, that's all you'll see. But sometimes we just need to laugh. And I've also found and learned that God speaks in our laughter, that while we're laughing, we can learn. And so today I want to give you the gift of laughter, and I believe you're going to learn some powerful things along the way. And when you leave, you'll be encouraged to pass those things along to others. Our guest today is known as one of today's most gifted communicators. He is a man who brings laughter wherever he goes. Michael Jr. has been bringing laughter to audiences and encouraging them all over the world, using comedy and his dynamic storytelling to inspire audiences to discover and activate their purpose. Maybe you've seen him in one of his uh, specials, or maybe you've caught him on YouTube or social media, but the brother has a gift to make you laugh and to teach you while he's doing it. His unique skills have been featured in places like The Tonight Show on NBC. He's done TED Talks, also uh, Jimmy Kimmel Live, and so many other places, including homeless shelters, and prisons. He's also an author. He's written a book called Funny How Life Works, and he's my guest today. How you doing, Michael Jr.? I'm amazing, fabulous, tremendous. Yo, that was a great introduction, man. I think the interview is over. That was was great, dude. Thanks so much for that. Hey, we're just getting started, just getting started. Talk a little bit, man, before we get into the book about how you got into comedy. When did you know you were funny, and how'd you get into comedy? Well, I knew I was funny probably when I was nine years old. was when it first took place. I said, I made a comment, and my dad and my uncle laughed. And uh, I thought beforehand it was going to be funny, but then I said it, and they actually laughed a little bit, and I was like, wow, this could be something. But I knew for sure when I was 17 years old, I walked. I was at a movie theater with some friends of mine, and in the middle of the movie, the screen went blank. And uh, my friend, a German exchange student, dared me to go up on stage in front of the, the movie screen and, and do a joke. But they turned the house lights on, and there was a stage up there. And they told me, and we had already made a deal with a friend at the age 14 that we wouldn't curse anymore. We wouldn't use any, any language anymore. And it wasn't, I didn't know anything about Jesus or anything. It's just that we just decided not to do that for whatever reason. So when he dared me to go tell his joke, it was like 12 seconds that I had from the time I left my seat to the time I got to the stage. So the only joke I knew wasn't a clean joke. 
So I had to rewrite this joke in my head and took for the, with those 12 seconds I had to walk to the stage. So I rewrote this joke. I presented it to the audience and everyone laughed and I felt like this high for the first time ever in my life. I've never done mm. drugs. I've never drank alcohol. Well, I had NyQuil one time. <laughs> anyway, so I go up on this stage and all of these people laugh and then I go sit down and this and security comes in looking for me to kick me out. And um, this lady who I didn't even know, it's a white lady. I could still see her standing up. She stands up and she says, if you kick that young man out, I want my money back. And then this wow. biker dude with wow. long hair and tattoos. And then these black people, like all of these people stood up in my defense. And it was so, so powerful. So we just finished watching the movie. But I don't, to this day, remember what the movie was because I remember sitting in my seat. I was up against the side wall and I was kind of curled up because my stomach was churning. I would have, I would have at the time described it as pain. But in retrospect, I can see it was clearly God giving me a glimpse of my purpose. And I felt it like even physically in my stomach. Wow. Wow. So I used to think, I used to think what that moment was, was God showing me what he had for me to do, which was to bring laughter to people. But what God has really called me to do is, yes, bring laughter to people, but also bring people together for something that is bigger than themselves, which is what took place in that, that theater that day. And now it's taking place in theaters all over the country because I get to travel and do exactly that. I'm using comedy to catch, I really catch people with the comedy and then I keep them with the truth. So I'm super excited about what I get to do. Yeah, well, you know, God is obviously uh, gifted you and, and he is using you literally all over the world. Let's talk about your testimony. You say, hey, stop saying the bad words when you were young, but it wasn't because of Jesus. So that tells me Jesus came into your life like at a later age. So share a little bit about that. Yeah, he came in at a later age. So is that all you said? Just <laughs> no, 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 no. I want to hear the story. How'd you come to Christ? Oh, 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 oh okay. <laughs> Sound like you've heard some long testimonies in your time. <laughs> that was too short. <laughs> yeah, it started when I was an embryo. Um, so <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I was home, I, in my book. I mentioned this, man. And uh, sometimes I'll read the, I'll read one of the stories in the book just from a a reader's perspective, and it just immediately takes me back, man. So I'm living in uh, in New York. And my address was 1997 Lumina Drive, mm. and uh, and I drove a 1997 Lumina. <laughs> I'm gonna pause so the audience can understand what's happening. <laughs> yeah. So I'm uh, I'm homeless, living in my car, man, and I didn't know what, like, I didn't have enough money to live in New York City. I moved there, but I didn't understand that the clubs only pay like 12 bucks a day. I mean, 12 mm. bucks a show in the Midwest. I mean, you get you go to Detroit or somewhere, they're gonna pay you three hundred dollars, two hundred dollars. But in New York it was like twelve bucks, like twelve wow. actual dollars. So it wasn't long before I didn't have enough money to live in New York City and I didn't have enough money to leave New York City. So um so I, I get on stage at this one club, um, the comic strip live and right before I got on stage this comedian named George Wallace walks in and he saw my mm-hmm. comedy and he saw that it was clean and he said to me, Man, this is really funny, and you're clean. He asked me, he said, why don't you curse? And the reason I didn't curse is because me and my friend made a bet. And my friend, the deal was if he heard me curse, he could hit me in the chest as hard as he wanted to and vice versa. And I didn't want to get hit in the chest. 
<laughs> so now I'm a grown man, but I still have this negative neural association attached <laughs> to using that language. So anyway, George Wallace ends up inviting me to do a show with him and his best friend, which is Jerry Seinfeld, man. And I, wow. and I go do the show and I, we, you know, and then after the show, a club manager invites me to church. He's like, Hey, Mike, we got a great set. You want to go to church with me tomorrow? I was like, church? I'm not, why are you messing this up? I don't want to go to church. Cause when I was a kid, church was not fun. It was a, it was miserable. It was it lasted <laughs> six hours before we had the first break to go in the basement and come back up. People yelling, the dude on stage had that phlegm caught in his throat and he'd be yelling to try to get it out. <laughs> Lord said, ah, act like, yeah, ah. I'm like, I don't know. And now I'm at a comedy club. George Wallace, Jerry Seinfeld's best friend. We're, we're there and we're doing this. And now this dude is going to invite me to some church. I'm like, what in the world? So I was like, no, nah, I don't want to go. And then 20 minutes later, his fiance asked me the same question. But she was beautiful. And I didn't even know pretty people went to church. I'd never <laughs> seen one when I was growing up. So now I'm a little intrigued. And she, she asked me to go to church. And I was like, yeah, uh, okay, yeah. And I go to this church and it's, the dude comes out on stage and he's just, and he, and I can't even find the people who invited me. I'm sitting in the back. This guy comes out on stage and he's talking about Jesus. He's not screaming. He's not yelling. He don't mm. got no perm or nothing. He just, he's just talking about Jesus. And he did this thing where he uh, did like an altar call. And he said, if you want Jesus in your life, all you have to do is believe in your heart, confess with your mouth, say this prayer. And Jesus is yours. And I was like, nah. I wanted to, like I really wanted to, but I was like, no, nah, I got to read the pamphlet first because I didn't know what the deal was because I knew a couple mm. Christians and they were creepy. <laughs> there is some creepy Christians out there. If you if you listening right now and you don't know any creepy Christians, it's probably you. Yeah, yeah. So I didn't know if there was something that happens that makes you weird. Off. I just didn't know, so I told myself I'd read the Bible first. So I didn't have a Bible, and I'm at O'Hara Airport, and this lady, I'm at O'Hara Airport a few days later, where I, I, maybe I was at a mall, I can't remember exactly where I was at, but I remember some random lady handed me a Bible, and she never even spoke any words to me. She just handed me a Bible and walked off. I was like, cool, I want to read this thing. So I started reading it, and I didn't know it was that big, so I'm reading the Bible. And uh, I got to the part of Matthew where it said, Jesus died for me. I did not know. That mm. Jesus died for me until I was 27 years old. Wow. I'd been to church. People were screaming and yelling before, but I didn't know until I read it right there in Matthew that he actually died. Then I turned to Mark, and he died again. I'm like, I don't understand what happened. I turned to John, and then he died again. Luke, and I'm like, why Why he keep going in the garden? Like, I didn't understand any <laughs> of this stuff. I actually, thought, I actually thought Jesus died four times. I wish that was a joke I wrote, but it's a true. It's part of my story. Wow. So I finished reading the Bible. It took me 36 days to read the Bible. Um, I finished reading it up, and I'm putting in, like, some serious work. I, I finished reading, and I go to church, and I I run up to the altar, like, during the announcements. I was like, hey, man, I know y'all normally wait to the end, but is Jesus here right now? And I give my life over to Jesus, and now I understand. I used to just think I was funny, but now I understand I'm funny for a reason. Like, God has a purpose behind his sense of humor, but it's not just the sense of humor. It's actually the way that I process and see things, and I'm able mm. to find the funny. But all comedy is, this is some stuff God has revealed to me as of recent. What happens when I'm on stage is all I'm doing is presenting information followed by a conflict, which is then followed by revelation. 
Wow. So, so for example, if I say, if I give you the information of, um, I have a, uh, oh, my niece wanted me to help her with her homework. And um, she said to me, what's the difference between a soft G and a hard G? And I was like, well, a soft G is from the Bay Area. Um, <laughs> uh, now, now, wait a uh, minute. I just hope my audience got what you yeah, just... I will explain when we come back. We'll explain when we come <laughs> All back right, let's, back let's go back. to break. Michael Jr. is here. The book is called Funny How Life Works. We're going to help you to laugh and learn today. To find out more about Michael Jr., go to our website, EquipRadio.org. We'll be right back with more of Equip. As the year comes to a close here at Equip, we've seen so many lives change through our daily communication of the gospel. Help us to expand our reach by giving a year-end gift. Now, I know that some of you can afford to give gifts of $100 or $500 or even $1,000, and we thank you for your partnership. Really, any amount will help us in our mission to promote the gospel. Together, we can reach the world. Make a difference with a year-end gift today by calling 888-644-4144 or go to EquipRadio.org. Church was miserable. This is my church experience from a seven-year-old's perspective. I'm just going to tell you what happened. So my shoes were like three sizes too small, like all the time. My grandmother had this thing called a shoehorn. So if your foot don't fit, now it do. Church lasts six hours. Then we go in the basement, eat a sandwich, and come back up. I'm like, what was that, halftime or something? It was miserable. My clothes didn't fit. Church was miserable. And we walk in and this dude is up on stage and he apparently is mad at everybody. And I don't understand why he was so mad. Then I figured it out. He was mad because of the phlegm that he had caught in his throat. Because at the end of every sentence, he would try to get it out. He'd be like, the Lord said, ah. act like you I'm like, Grandma, he need to gargle or something. Grandma, I don't know what's going on. And he had a Bible in his hand. This is me from a seven-year-old's perspective. He had a Bible in his hand, and he kept playing like he was going to throw it at the people. He'd be like, ha, 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 And they would get scared. They'd be like, hey, man, hey, man. I realized now they were saying, hey, man. I didn't know. I was seven years old. That's Michael Jr., friends. I want to encourage you get a copy of Funny How Life Works. More than an autobiography, it is a book to help you to laugh and to learn some big lessons about how to activate your purpose, live in excellence, and to the glory of God. All right, Michael Jr., you were telling us a little bit about your niece and about what God has been showing you about what you really do. Share a little bit more about that. Absolutely. So what really takes place is uh, like in a joke that I just just explained or maybe actually in any joke that you even even play on the air or any joke you see, whether it be mine or not. What God has shown me is what's really happening is I am presenting some information then I'm creating a, a, a conflict and then be, and then after the conflict comes revelation in the form of laughter. So I'll set up a completely different joke so you can see it a little easier. In fact, I'll remove the funny from the joke. So basically, it's A B three. Mm. I said A, I said A B, which is just some information, but you understand it, and you're also ex- expecting C to come next. 
but I introduced the conflict when I said three. So there was a little bit of conflict, but then you realize three, three actually does fit there, and then that's the revelation. So that's what's happening every single time I do a joke. That thing is taking place. But I can, I can remove the comedy from it and apply the same thing to areas of life, and God is showing me how to really help people, give them some information, show them a conflict, and then they have revelation on the other end of it. The issue a lot of people run into is they're afraid of the conflict. Well, without uh, – here, here's a great example. So I have five kids, and, um, and I travel a lot, you know, so I can see them all. <laughs> right? See, exactly. So the reason you laugh is because I say I'm, I'm, on, I'm on moody radio. Like, everybody has some assumptions about me. I got five kids. She must be yeah. a great dad. And yeah. then when I introduce the conflict <laughs> of I travel a lot, you're like, everything's fine, so I can see them all. Now you're like, what the deal? I thought he was a good dad. <laughs> but then you laughed because of what happened on the other end. But if I only said to you, hey, I got five kids and they're awesome, yeah, that's just information. There's that's no right. conflict, therefore there's no revelation. So that's right. the other really cool thing God is showing me to do is uh, we're, we're working with marriages now in, in a big way. We're going to be launching a tour next wow. uh, spring called funny how marriage works mm-hmm. and a lot of marriages have problems well they would refer to them as problems but it's really not a problem they're just trying to avoid the conflict but notice without the conflict there's actually no revelation wow that's good like if it, good. like when jesus like the, the conflict is jesus was perfect like he didn't sin but he still went on the cross that's a mm. conflict right there. Like, you're supposed to die yeah. if you sin, but he didn't sin. So that conflict is like, what? And now we have a revelation of how awesome he was because of that conflict. So, so it's really about better understanding how to utilize your conflict. And we get to laugh while we do it. So people should be on the lookout for Funny How um, Marriage Works. Yeah, we should be on the lookout for that. And also, uh, we need to get a copy of your book, Funny How Life Works, you wrote a book, man. Yeah. That, that's that's pretty awesome. Did you did yeah. you uh, think from the outset of this comedy thing, man? I'm going to be an author. Was that a goal of yours to be an author one day? No, dude. I hadn't even when I started doing comedy. I hadn't even read a book yet. Like for real. Like the first book I ever read from cover to cover was the Bible. I didn't read a book from cover to cover until I was 27 years old. Man, reading just was not. It might have been fundamental, but it wasn't fun. Like, I don't want <laughs> Like, that's stuff was whack. So I, uh, no, this book is really, and, it, and all I did was I took a bunch of my stories from my life with the, some that are really funny and, then, and some that are, you know, a little, like, really, really deep. And now with this new perspective of what God was doing, it just really has blessed people. Like, even right now, Amazon is sold out of the book. Wow. Like they actually don't have any books left, but what people can do, they can go to my, um, I think you guys are going to have a link, but we're yeah, giving, we we're, we're getting signed copies to people, uh, because of the inconvenience. Like you get a signed copy. I actually signed it. If you look online, there's a picture of me, a video of me signing a bunch of books. I got you get mine. a signed copy of funny how life works. I got mine in my hand. Now, I, you know, you bring up a really important point and, uh, it was kind of a, a throwaway line, but I, I want you to maybe expound on this. Are you more of a comedian or a storyteller? You know, somebody recently caught me, somebody in passing said to me, man, you're like a comedic thought leader. Wow. Like, Snap. I like that because 
com from when I started, I got me on the real. Comedy was the thing. Yes. It, it was the thing. But now I understand comedy is a seasoning. Mm-hmm. It's not the meal. So I am my God has blessed me with this ability to present a meal to people. But most people want a little bit of seasoning on their meal. And or or another way to say it is comedy is the vehicle. It's not the destination. That's like right. I don't want to just only use the funny. Like when people show up to an event, you're gonna laugh. When you read the book, you're going to laugh. You may cry a little bit, but I want to give you something a little more. Like one of my favorite stories in the book was there was a guy who came to my show just to laugh, and he ended up going to prison right from the show directly into a police car to prison. It was one of the best things that ever could have took place for him and for me. It was amazing. He was a fugitive of the law. He came to my show to get away from things. Because he came to the show and he laughed, his heart was open. Mm. But then I, I made a deposit. I said some things that I felt like I should say in the midst, and it really pierced his heart in a significant way where he came and asked me if if I would help him. He explained to me he was a fugitive law in different states, and he wanted to know if I would help him turn himself into the authorities. So that's so that's actually what wow. we did. And the book lays out the details as to what exactly took place. But there is some significant – there's yes. one story, one of my favorite stories, is when the police officers, some police officers came into my apartment wrongfully and put a gun in my head, put the hammer back on the gun. And, and it's one of my favorite stories in the book. And I love and respect police officers all over the nation. How do you get from that to that? I'm telling you, and it, and it happened in a moment. Yeah. What I mean is the forgiveness from the time they left, they came into my apartment to the time that they actually left my apartment. When they, about 10 minutes after they left my apartment, the forgiveness process had already started. And I was 19 years old. Wow. I didn't even know Jesus yet. But I can see what he was doing in the midst. It was so powerful what happened. Like these police officers, 15 of them leave my apartment. They're, they, they're, they were wrongfully in there. They put a gun in my head. They leave the apartment. And then there's a knock at the door. And this woman with her kids, she's crying. She's all upset or whatever. She walks in. And what takes place is so powerful. It was almost like God sent an angel in that moment. And she didn't know what she was saying. She she didn't even speak English. But it blessed me so much. It just gave me an opportunity to look at life differently right there at 19 years old. I don't want to give too much detail away right now. I'm just going to let y'all hang out there a little bit and uh, get the book. (laughs) You got to get the book, friends. You got to get the book. Earlier, you quoted from page 143 of your book. I'm sorry, 145, actually. I actually highlighted it. I love that you said, I've learned that comedy isn't really the destination. Sometimes it's just the vehicle. You also say in your book, and, and I love this quote, when people laugh, their hearts are open, and that's a perfect time to make a deposit into their lives. How do you use that in your ministry? Yeah, man. So what will happen is, and I thought, let's be real, I thought it was me, right? It's not really me and not in a big way. So I do, like, if you click, if you, if anybody Googles Michael Jr. and then maybe say uh, Ultra Call or something, like, I literally will be on stage doing comedy. And what I'm doing, man, is I'm actually listening. While people are laughing, I'm listening between the gaps for what God might be saying to do next. 
The question I used to ask in between the gaps is, what joke can I do to get more laughs? But when I met Jesus at 27 years old, he changed my question from what can I get to, to what can I give to this audience? So I'm listening between the gaps. By the way, all the listeners right now, whatever you do in life, there's gaps. What question are you asking in between the gaps? Is it a question of what can I get or is it a question of what can I give? And if you don't know the answer to that question, I think you know the answer to that question. By default, since the fruit, we've been asking what can we get, unless you articulate a different question. So I'm literally on stage asking that question in between the gaps, and, and what will happen is different things. Like I'll say just different things that are encouraging and uplifting and edifying, and it just shakes people in a way because their heart is so open. And, and what will happen, I mean, you'll see it if you just Google a video, Michael Jordan Author Call, I think over the last five years, there's been over 85,000 people who have made decisions for Christ at some of my comedy events. Wow. And I used to, I, it blew me away at first, like, man, I'm a show be good at this. No, I'm telling you, it's, it's almost like I'm on stage, like I'm doing something amazing, and then behind me is a God that's so much bigger than me, like way bigger. And they see him, they're not even thinking about me. And these people are just coming forward and making some pretty, we just got a letter from a guy. This was so powerful. We got a letter from a guy who was um, in the midst of committing suicide. He laid all of his plastic out because he didn't want to leave a mess for his wife. And he had a gun, he had everything that was necessary, so he thought. And then he decided to grab a beer and watch a video. He turned on my video, he laughed, but then I said something between the gaps and he changed his mind, he didn't do it. Wow. He wrote us the letter, let us know. Man, praise God how God uses laughter to save lives. Funny how life works. Get your signed copy of the book by going to our website, equipradio.org. Click on today's program details. Ordering info is right there. We'll be right back with more on Equip. Hey there, my friend. The next Equipper Zoom webinar is coming up on January 12th. This Zoom webinar helps us to know each other better. It's our chance to talk together about crucial concerns in our families, the culture, and the church. You can ask me any question you have, and I'll do my best to answer each one of them. The webinar is one of the perks of being part of our team of equippers, our monthly partners. Now, if you are an equipper, be sure to check your inbox for an email from me with registration details for this free Zoom meeting. If you're not an equipper, why don't you become a monthly partner and join us? Simply call 888-644-4144 and tell them I want to become an equipper or sign up online at equipradio.org. Super excited that we're out of the pandemic. <laughs> wow, like I'm super excited about that. First thing I learned from the pandemic, uh, apparently I'm not essential. Um, found that out. Yeah, this whole time I thought I was, but nope. And I don't know how it is in Illinois. I don't know how it is wherever you're from. But whenever I would take my son to school, before he get out the car, they would take his temperature. Like, he couldn't get out the car without them taking his temperature. Then when I go pick him up, they try to put him right in the car. <laughs> we need to take his temperature first. <laughs> I hit the power lock. I'm like, what you doing? <laughs> they like, you're holding up the carpool lane. I'm like, I don't care. We're going to take his temperature. <laughs> Funny 
how life works. That is Michael Jr., friends, and I want to encourage you get a copy of his book. Check him out online. All of the links, all the connects for Michael Jr. are at our website, equipradio.org. There's so much going on, and we're looking forward to funny how marriage works. It's on the horizon. Now, Michael Jr., we're talking about your storytelling, and the book is so full of so many great stories. I, I want to talk to you about uh, the economy. I want to get financial wisdom from you. It's been a tough economy. You talked in that clip about the pandemic. Um, you have a story in the book called 60 Cent and an Orange. What did you learn mm-hmm. about money and uh, what can you teach us about how we can help our kids learn about money? That story is one of my favorite stories, man, because I didn't even see it coming. I had no idea. I'm just trying to be nice. Tell this lady snow. And then she hit me with what she hit me with. And I was blown back, mad, upset, went to my dad. So here's what I've learned, man. And I've actually adjusted my learning since that age. My dad taught me a great lesson about earning money and working hard and hard work. Because I worked really, really, really hard. I was nine years old. I worked super hard to raise money to get a, to get a bicycle for myself. And then when I finally had enough money for the bicycle, at the end of it, I was like, man, I ain't spending all this money on a bike. <laughs> so what I, what I, and my dad was like, ha-ha, like you get it now, right? Like you get it. But one of the things I've learned is pretty a big deal, man, is instead of trying to earn money, what I really need to be doing from an actual financial perspective is help my money make money for me. Mm. And it's actually really goodness. I mean, if you even even saying it right now, I really realize that's really discipleship. Right. Like one, I can't earn my way into what what God has done for me. But if I really want to be productive, instead of just holding on to what I have, I need to deposit it into other people in a way where they can go share it with others as well. So whether you're whether you're still thinking money right now as we have this conversation, or whether you're thinking of the true value, which is relationships, right? When God says if I can, if you can be trusted with little, then I can trust you with much. I don't necessarily think he's talking about if you can be trusted with a little money, you can be trusted with much more. I think the value goes from if I can trust you with these talents and with this money, then I can trust you with real value, which is people. That's I want to be trusted with people because then those people can help other people. One of the greatest gifts I believe you can give somebody is the ability to help somebody else. It's just so significantly fruitful. So we do this thing at my event sometimes called communerosity, where we will allow people, we have merchandise, and we have people, we explain to people how communerosity works. And the way it works is there's people in a room who may not have much money, right? And um, and they and we, we explain to them, if you don't have the money for it, if you can't afford one of these items, what we actually do is walk up to the table, ask what you want, and we'll give it to you. And... Um, and the reason we do this is because there's probably people in the room who don't have much. And the reason they don't have much is because they have a hard time receiving. Now, we explain to them this is not pay it forward. Pay it forward sounds nice, but it comes with a burden, right? You did something for me. Now I've got to do something for somebody else. What we explain for people to do is we just simply want you to be obedient, whatever this looks like for you. Like you just, we would just want you to listen for God's voice. And when the show is over, you walk up to the table. You can buy what you want, 
And if you want to, you can um, buy something and then buy something more and leave it there for somebody else. And I explained the reason we want to do this is because you can't, if, you, if you can't receive from me and the people around you, how can you truly receive from a God you can't see because he's going to use people like me and the people around you? Wow. The other cool part we add to communerosity is I explain because there, this always happens. There's people in the room who got a lot of money. They're doing okay financially. But some of them have a hard time receiving as well. So we ask them to do is walk up to the table and being obedient to God, walk up to the table and leave their money in the pocket and ask for an item and let us give it to them. Because, again, if they can't receive from me and the people around them, how can they truly receive from a God they can't see? Because he's going to use people like me and the people around them. So this process really jacks people up in a great way because how you do anything is how you do everything. So we explain to these people, all we want you to do is do whatever God says. If God says walk to the table and give and you have a hard time giving, you're probably having a hard time giving in every area of your life. That's good. And your kids could probably use some encouragement. If you're having a hard time receiving at the table, you're probably having a hard time receiving at the table. Mm. And God has so much more for you. But because you're not receiving what God has for you, you're not even in a position to give. To give and not receive is a position of arrogance. And God wants you to break from that so you could actually be the conduit you're called to be. So yeah, that's good. we're all about, completely about using comedy to yeah. help people, using comedy and really using revelation to help people see things differently so they can be different. And, and and hopefully represent God's kingdom in a much more significant way. Michael Jr. is my guest. And Michael Jr., here's the deal. A lot of pastors are going to take what you just said and share that with their church this Sunday, and I'm glad to hear oh. that. Hey, listen, I want to know from you, what's the toughest place you've ever done comedy? So we started a nonprofit called Funny for the Forgotten. If anybody wants mm. to go check out uh, funnyfortheforgotten.com, you can. Uh, so what we do is we make laughter commonplace in uncommon places. So we'll go to homeless shelters, abuse children's facilities, and um, elderly homes, prisons, and we take comedy to those places. Wow. So I'm walking into this prison, right? And uh, this dude, as I'm walking in, it's just like you would imagine. I'm walking in there to bring comedy, and this dude says to me, you better be funny, we're going to shank you. I'm like, <laughs> and literally, that's what he said to me. He looked at me in my eye. I'm like, dude, I could leave right now. Like, I could just leave. I don't even need to be here. And um, and I walk up on the stage, man, and uh, these guys, none of them are laughing. But here's the thing. God already told me that, my, that I am to give people an opportunity to laugh. It's not about getting laughs from people, right? So none of these cats are laughing. In fact, I think there's a video on YouTube of this, of this. None of them are laughing, but I know they're not laughing because I know that my stuff is funny, but none of them are laughing. Their arms all folded up tight and I'm doing the math and I realize the reason they're not laughing is because they can't. It's probably seen as a sign of weakness. So I just keep going, dude. I'm like 10 minutes in, no laughter. Then 12 minutes in, I see one dude do a smile on the side of his face. Then he wipes the smile off. And he, and he tightens up his, his arms as they're folded even more. But I'm like, mm. yo, at least that was a little, at least that was a break. Then I did another joke. Then I did this joke where I, somebody kind of grunted a little bit. It was a, a dark-skinned dude. And I said something like, did I just get a heckled by the darkest dude in the room? 
said, you, I said, you're, you're so dark skinned. I bet if you ride a motorcycle, you get a ticket for tenant window. And the place couldn't take it. Right. <laughs> Four or five dudes are laughing. By the end of it, my set was for like 50 minutes long. These cats are on their feet, cracking up, crying. The guards are laughing. Like the warden is in there and the warden's laughing. And some of the guys in the prison said, I've never even seen the guards laugh before. And the guards hadn't seen them laughing in any appropriate way before. It was such a beautiful moment wow. that, I could, that we could just show up and bring comedy. So through Funny for the Forgotten, that's what we get to do. And these shows can be really hard sometimes. Like you're going into a homeless shelter where people have nothing. But I'm just going to show up with my gift and present the gift. Yeah, we can do money and food. And that's somebody else's ministry. And we partner with those people so they can be there too. But I'm going to show up with my gift and present it. And, and it's been very, very fruitful so far, man. We just did a women's prison, and they actually had, uh, some of the women had given birth in prison, and the babies were there as well. Wow. It's just a really powerful ministry, man. So if anybody wants to support funnyforthefungotten.com, please, please do so we can keep doing that. Listen, he has so much. That's why we got a link to Michael Jr.'s website. I'm on it right now. You can learn how funny life is and how funny life works you can also learn about funny for the forgotten and so much more don't go anywhere much more to come next up on equip on equip we tackle the tough issues and there sure have been many this past year but we continue to confront them with the relevant biblical truth of the gospel as we turn to a new year will you join our christ-centered approach by becoming an auto gift monthly partner Keep Equip on the air in your community and across the nation. Your $30, $50, or $85 a month gift will make a huge difference in this new year. Equip yourself and make a difference for Christ and His kingdom at the same time by calling 888-644-4144 or go to equipradio.org. time ago dude said he was jesus he had followers and everything this is before twitter like dude had followers said he was jesus i put up a picture of him um he wore glasses you you can't be jesus and have an optometrist like you you supposed to just touch your own eyes bro you can't you I'm out, man. I can't, I can't live here. I'm sorry. I got to go. Like, I ain't understand that. Like, anyway. Comedic thought leader. Michael Jr. is my guest today. Find out more at EquipRadio.org. Get a signed copy of his book. You order it now. Can't find it on Amazon, but we got a link, and uh, Mike Jr. will sign the book for you, Funny How Life Works. We've talked about the upcoming Funny How Marriage Works. Be on the lookout for that. Funny for the Forgotten, you could support that as well. Michael Jr., here's my question for you. Why are you so passionate mm-hmm. about helping people discover their purpose? Well, so I grew up with three guys in Grand Rapids, Michigan, right? Three dudes. And um, they, it was three dudes we always hung out with. Uh, there's Martel. Well, I'll just make, so there's these three dudes. They were really, 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 really close to me. And one of them, and my dad, and my dad used to always say to me, well, like my dad was like the dad on the block. And these dudes used to have everything they wanted. They had the cars, they had the clothes, they had the stuff. Now the way they got it wasn't always great at all. 
And I remember saying to my dad, I remember I wanted a Kango because all three of them had a Kango and they had some gazelle glasses. You probably I remember, remember gazelle that. glasses and Kango. I remember I said that. to my dad, I said, hey, dad. I was like, dad, how, how come I can't, can you buy me some of this stuff? They got it all and I couldn't afford it. My dad was like, unfortunately, you, you're going to see what's going to happen to them one day. And I was like, yeah, I see what's happening. They're getting all the girls. That's what's happening. Like, I'm just, <laughs> that's what my thoughts was. I'm like 14 years old. And, um, dude, when we were like 30, my friend number one, when he was, when he turned 30, he got 30 years in prison. Wow. Friend number two, by the time he was 30, he had like 14 kids that, and he wasn't taking care of any wow. of them. 14 kids, 16 baby mamas. I don't know how that works. I'm just, anyway, just a bunch <laughs> of kids. The other guy, when he turned 30, a little after 30, he was dead. He was homeless first, then he was dead. And the difference between, I mean, the, the the factor in between all of those guys was, one, they didn't understand their purpose. I didn't understand mine at that age completely. But the big deal was their dad was not there. So their dad did not understand their purpose in being a father. And even to this day, the two that are still alive, I, it's hard for them to connect with a father they can't see because the father that is on this earth wasn't there for them. So I really, because everyone's purpose is directly and completely connected to, to God. So if I can help someone understand their purpose and first ignite that flame in them and then point them to a father who loves them, I, that connection will be pretty significant and completely hard to break. So, so that's good. my desire. That's what really drives me in a big way. Hey, I just got to give a shout out to your dad, man. What a blessing. And that comes through in the stories in your book and the stories you're sharing with us right now. I'm on the store section of your website while we're talking, man. So much mm-hmm. is there. Uh, we're going we're gonna to have a link there at our website, quipradio.org. But there's the book. There's the audio book. There's the Funny How Life Works course. Bet you guys didn't know there was a course on that. Mm-hmm. Also, some DVDs mm-hmm. that are there and so much more. Michael, before I let you run, man, why should someone give their life to Jesus today? Uh, I would love to hear the answer as to why they shouldn't. Like, that's the answer I want to hear. Because uh, <laughs> one question I always ask people, I posted this question, is, if there's a listener, and if you're a Christian, great. If you have a friend who's not, ask them this question. Ask the question either about church or Jesus, but we'll make it about um, Jesus. Ask them this. Say, who is the reason you don't have a relationship with Jesus? I'll say it again so you hear what I'm saying. Who is the reason you don't have a relationship with Jesus? Mm. I have not met a person who doesn't have a relationship with God that doesn't somehow have a who involved. Well, my mama used to, and she she was crazy, or this happened, or the Christians don't be doing that. So you're going to let a person come in between you and the greatest story of all time. Remove that person so you can know the actual person of Jesus and watch how your life will change. Just give him 22 days. Why did I pick 22 days? I don't really know. Give Jesus 22 <laughs> days where you're reading his word, just jump in John and start reading it. And then at the end of it, with as much attitude as you want, just say to God, all right, what does that mean? Like, how, what, now what? And just be still for a moment. Do that for 22 days, and your life will change 
for the better. It is a guarantee. For that real. Is, that is so good, brother. And uh, listen, I am a satisfied customer. I have done what Michael Jr. has recommended, and uh, your life will mm. change forever. I want to get this book into so many people's hands. The stories will change your lives, life. You're, you'll laugh, but you'll learn. And that's what I wanted to give you today, the gift of laughter. And I couldn't think of anybody better to have on than Michael Jr. And I want you to uh, go wow. to our website, equipradio.org. That's equippedradio.org. I love this on your website. You can get some ha-has and some ahas. That's really good. That's a way of saying you can laugh and learn at the same time. Wow. Michael Jr., you're a blessing, brother. We appreciate you so much. Funny how marriage works. The tour dates are yeah. on the website already, and uh, you can find out more there. You can go to the store as well, order a whole lot of stuff. But more importantly, you can get equipped so you can help others, and that's what God has called us to wow. do. Appreciate you, brother. Dude, you are a legit host, man. I just got to say, very well done. Like, big up to you. You do this very, very well. Well, I appreciate you. I appreciate you. Michael Jr., friends, you are off the hot seat, Michael Jr. Have a great day, and uh, just know we'll be praying for you as well. Friends, as you get ready to start this new year, don't just start looking at pain or all the problems around you, but start with laughter. Start with the sense that God is good and the joy of the Lord being your strength. The Bible says that laughter does good like a medicine. That's why I wanted to bring in our brother and friend, Michael Jr., to you so that you can laugh and hopefully you learn some things. And if today you decide, and I'm not going to let that person keep me from Jesus, whoever that person might be, Maybe it was your mom, maybe it was your dad, maybe it was even some Christians that weren't living the right way. Uh, Today, I want you to move them out of the way so that you might see Jesus. Receive from him the grace, the mercy, and the goodness he has for you. He has a purpose for you, not just for Michael Jr. He has a purpose for you. And when you tap into that purpose, joy comes, life comes not just to you, but to the world through you. So I want to encourage you, dial this number, 888-NEED-HIM. That's 888-NEED-HIM. You want to take your next step in your journey with Jesus. I also want you to consider supporting the program. We've been a blessing to you. Can you support us with your generous year-end tax-deductible gift? Dial the number 888-644-4144 or go to equipradio.org. Until we're together again next time. As always, remember, Equip with Chris Brooks is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.